Howdy, neighbor. How are you? Hey, neighbor. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, for those of you out there in Dad Joke Loading Land, uh, Chris taking the week off this week. Um, so I am pleased to be joined by my uh, next door neighbor without a you, Jason Polk. Uh, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Christian. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am a extremely large fan of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong. You jumped in a few episodes uh, after we started, and you listened to all of them in one day. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I did. So, um, like in, in most neighborly things that you do, um, it's just one of those things where you check in from your neighbor time to time. And Christian, I reached out to you, and I said, "Hey, things. How's what's new? What's going on? How's uh, how's things hanging?" And you're like, "Hey, I started a podcast." And I'm like, "Really?" And you ended up telling me basically the name of it, and I found it on Apple and. Um, just downloaded it and one thing led to another. And, uh, I think I checked in a little bit later in the afternoon with you. And I think I sent you a screenshot from my car of, uh, listening to, uh, the episode about little Billy, little Billy Rubin. That's right. And I think I remember that being like, wait a minute, that's like the fourth episode. And I was like, you listened to all of them in one day. And sure enough. Yeah. I'm like, yep, that's commitment. That's what you get from me, Christian. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that is what neighbors do. Um, and so uh, Jay and I have been neighbors for, well, geez, now I guess this will be five years. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and yeah, crazy how time flies. Um, and now uh, Jay has three kids of his own. And uh, so I joined the uh, fatherhood uh, fatherhood of the neighborhood a little bit after Jay. So he's got a much more experience, uh, both in age and multiple kids on me. But um realistically jay i mean i should be bragging about having you on the pack podcast because uh you're actually local celebrity in uh in western new york why don't you tell uh the dad jokers at home a little bit about that oh goodness oh um yeah in uh in january early january of 2021 i i had my first 15 minutes of fame out let's call it um you may not recognize my voice but you might recognize my face and more preferably you might recognize me crying um, for anybody who's in Western New York, I am indeed the crying Bills fan from the Bills' first victory in 25 years, uh, the playoff game this year against the Colts. And and tell tell me a little bit. I mean, you got interviewed by the local news. Um, <laughs> yeah, you were you were kind of all over the internet there. I mean, I remember seeing you. I was watching uh, SVP, you know, uh, Sports Center at night, and uh, after they were going over the Bills highlights, and sure enough. There was my next door neighbor's face, just tears of joy, you know, tears streaming down your face like the Coldplay song, just uh, relishing in, in, in that victory. So what was that like being uh, interviewed by Buffalo News? Uh, it, was, it was pretty wild. I mean, I, I guess I have to go back to the whole entire initial story. Um, you know, this past year um, was pretty hard based on the fact of being a Bills fan. I've had season tickets for close to 20 years, right? And so it was one of those things where... With the pandemic, you know, we were not allowed as fans to actually attend many of the games. But in January of this year, they had loosened up a little bit of the updates here in New York State and allowed fans who were able to successfully pass a COVID screening test uh, and test negative to attend the game. And they only allowed 6,700 fans of the 73,000. So I was lucky enough to get a ticket for the game with my, uh, my good friend, Brian, and we attended the game. And it was great, obviously. It was a nail biter right down to the end. And then near the end of the game, um, I clearly had become overcome with joy, let's say, from the fact of sheer uh, sheer emotion. You know, a lot of things had gone through my mind of 
terrible Bills memories of, you know, years beyond terrible season ticket holding times, uh, memories of watching games with my uncles and my grandpa, especially. I actually ironically ended up visiting my grandpa's grave the night before to tell him, hey, I'm going to the playoff game and we're going to be there and, you know, we're going to win this one. And um, I remember telling my oldest son, um, as Christian said, I have, I have three kids. I have a seven, a five and a three year old and telling my oldest son, you know, hey, I'm going to the game. Maybe you'll see me on TV, you know, um, because there's only going to be 6,700 of us screaming and cheering on the Bills for the day. So sure enough, um, go to the game. The Bills win the game. And um, I, in my stance, thinking nothing of it, obviously, just break down in tears. Like I'm crying and I'm emotional. And um, I sit down in my seat and I'm crying. And then, you know, my buddy and I are hugging and uh, and that's it. And then, you know, we're at the end of the game. We're watching the players come out. And all of a sudden, my cell phone blows up and it starts just ringing and all these things. And I look down on my phone and I get a text message from my cousin and a message with a picture of me on national television from a friend, Nicole. And it says, um, you're blowing up. You're all over the Internet. And then my cell phone dies because, of course, I was on Twitter and I was on social media the entire time following the game and getting commentary. So we get back to my buddy's car and I plug in my phone in his uh, cigarette lighter. And sure enough, I probably had 15, 20 messages. Christian, I think you were probably one of them that messaged me. You had seen me or something. Well, you had become a meme by that point. That's what it was. Yeah. So basically, I took the picture that my friend had sent me. I put it on Twitter and I said, so I guess I'm a meme. Hashtag Bill's Mafia. And um, little did I know that that picture, that single tweet, would go from having 300 followers of just friends and people to almost 1,800 followers in like three days, followed by um, like on Twitter, on Twitter, it had over 600,000 impressions, which was just insanity, uh, followed by Buffalo News article and on, on local radio stations and channel channels and TV stations. Um, and it was really cool. I ended up basically becoming like the the meme. So I guess I'm sucked into the lore of Buffalo uh, sports for eternity. And it was pretty cool. Well, well, if there's one thing I've learned, uh, you know, being here in uh, in Western New York for, you know, about five years now, um, it's that really, uh, you know, especially in, in the Bills, in the Bills family, um, they look after their own um in 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 many ways you know going back to the uh you know the Andy Dalton Foundation yeah. um you know just a uh, a random quarterback from another team that helped them get into the playoffs and then all of a sudden you know there's hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations you know uh um the you know Josh Allen's grandmother it was grandmother correct yep, when she passed away and 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 all the donations that came into that and and all that kind of stuff so um, so it, it does not surprise me at all, um, you know, that that happened in theory. Uh, just kind of cool that it happened to my next door neighbor. So that's how I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, attaching my, uh, you know, I, I'm getting on the J wagon. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and my uh, claim to fame is, hey, yeah, I live next door to the crying Bills fan. Uh, so um, but Jay, going back, if I can challenge your memory a little bit sure, here, sure. going back uh, to when we first became neighbors, I know on a previous podcast, I talked about kind of our initial interaction of you making sure I wasn't a Leafs fan. That's true. Um, which was uh, <laughs> which was a memory I will keep, uh, you know, for, for the rest of my life. But one of the things I vividly remember is is right when we moved in, one of the first things we had to do was put up a fence. Mm -hmm. And now... It's something I hadn't really thought about until I was kind of rethinking the story in my mind was that, I mean, we had a, if you remember that like tiny kind of four foot chain link fence that didn't really cover the whole 
length of the property or anything like that. That's correct. And we were replacing it with a basically kind of six foot uh, wooden fence. Uh, and the real reason being is because we have a large dog who likes to run around in the backyard. Um, he is not always the friendliest to visitors, at least in his bark. Um, uh, although he loves your kids, um, which oh is my great. Goodness, um, he does. But, uh, um, but, uh, so we were putting up this fence and, you know, part of me kind of felt bad because I was like, here I am. I just met this guy and I'm definitely just putting up a, fr- a privacy fence. So he probably thinks I'm an asshole, but <laughs> so I brought my buddy down and uh, he was helping me put in the fence. You know, we had the auger going and everything like that. And, uh, so we had kind of already sectioned out where the uh, fence posts were going to be. And so it's a middle of June, um, and you know, probably the hottest day of the year, at least it felt like it. And so, uh, my, my buddy and I, we've, uh, we put all these things out, you know, we're going down and all of a sudden we kind of look up and there's, you know, some, some of these flags missing, you know, that, uh, um, you know, thing of flags you get at the, the hardware store, you know, the orange flags to mark, you know, whether it's gas lines or whatever, whatever. And, uh, there's a bunch of them missing. And I'm like, no way we put those down. You know, we measured kind of our eight foot section. We, uh, you know, put the flag down and then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye is this flesh colored blur that is Jay's oldest, butt naked, running back and forth, stealing the flags. And not only is he stealing the flags, but he's ending his theft, his thieving run with just a belly flop into the kiddie pool. <laughs> and Oh and that's goodness. it's just one of my my first memories of our, one of our first real interactions. And that's definitely a story I will tell at his wedding. Um, but what what do you remember from that interaction? Because I feel like that was really one of the first kind of like real like, yep, this is life on uh, on the street kind of interactions or this is what real life is like, uh, you know, kind of interactions between us. What do you remember from that? Oh, my goodness, Christian. So, um, yeah. So at this time, you know, my oldest was probably right around two ish. And he was at the only time, the only child. So uh, pretty, you know, pretty relatively easy to maintain a, making sure your two-year-old's going to stay in the back backyard, you know, when you just, it's, it's one set of eyes to pay attention to um, and watch. And I believe my wife and I were actually doing some mulching. And as you had mentioned, it was a really warm day. So we had a little kiddie pool in the back. And I think it was just one of those things where by default he was in his diaper and he wanted to go into his the, the kiddie pool and just jumped right in. And that was one of those things where sometimes as parents, you make a rapid decision to say, okay, well, you've already jumped into your little kiddie pool with all of your clothes on. You might as well just take them all off because it's June. It's, you know, high 70s, early 80s, low 80s Fahrenheit and just whatever. So he's doing that and we're keeping an eye on him and uh, he's just swimming and having fun. And our new neighbors next door to us are putting up a fence. So we're being friendly. We obviously want to let them keep their own pace and we don't want to be too nosy or too nosy neighbor and, and bug them. But sure enough, we see my, um, all of a sudden, like looking over at my son in the little pool and we see these little orange flags sitting around and hanging out in the pool. And I clearly remember clear as day, just watching him saying, what are you doing? And he would go and he would look at you guys, stare at you guys, dig in this hole giggle completely naked grab a flag run as fast as he could and belly flop into the pool and it was just like oh man all right well let me go over and apologize to my neighbor for 
having my son bother him. I mean, I don't know if he likes kids. I don't know what the scenario is. You know, he's putting up this privacy fence. But um, let me apologize. And I just remember it being one of those things where you're right, sir. Um, now we look back forward five years later, especially where our relationship has come. And I'm sure you will definitely be telling my oldest that story about the first time I ever met you, buddy. You were butt naked, stealing marking flags, um, jumping into belly flopping into pools. Well, I guess the answer to does he like kids is, I mean, the fact that we're doing a podcast about being dads, um, I guess that question kind of answers itself. But uh, that being said, you ready to get this uh, ready to get this episode started? Yeah, let's load it up. get a reservation at the library because they were fully booked. I'm Christian. That's Jay. Welcome to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Uh, We're so happy you're here. Again, thank you, Jay, for filling in this week, uh, guest hosting on the podcast. Um, Thank you to producer Ryan, obviously, for making it sound as good as we can. Um, Thank you to Vishal Murthy, the vet cartoonist, for all the imaging. Michael Spicer Music, Michael Spicer Composer. Uh, Find him on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And uh, most importantly, our wives and daughters um, and sons, in Jay's case, uh, for uh, being the reason uh, that we can do this. And frankly, um, they are the reason that we are even allowed to do this. Because let's be real, Jay, they're allowing us to do this at this point. That is true. Uh, Now, Jay, uh, before I keep going with anything, you actually have a podcast of your own um, about growing up in the 80s. So why don't you uh, give the listeners a a quick, uh, you know, sneak peek about what that's about? Yeah, thanks, Christian. Yeah, so um, side side story here. When Christian had told me that he had started a podcast and there were about four episodes out, um, after listening through all four of those episodes in a single day, he ended up becoming, ironically, one of my inspirations to dabble into this world known as podcasting. Uh, my best friend Tony and I started this podcast, uh, I think we're about three or four episodes in now, and it's... Um, the story of it is called uh, It Came From the 80s. It's available on all major podcast networks, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, Apple Pod. Um, and it's in short, it's a story of two zenial best friends who reminisce about the greatest decade in their lives. And in short, it's uh, it's a great little piece that we like to do basically by, by best friend Tony and I are both born in the 80s, grew up in the 80s as young children. So many of the things that we love and shared as kids um, ended up becoming a large and big influence in our lives when we ended up meeting as teenagers. Um, things like MTV and Masters of the Universe, Garbage Pail Kids, the Nintendo Entertainment System. And we we like to dive into this podcast and really just do a deep dive of the story, how it brought us together as best friends. And then we put a more modern twist into it. And we say, would this podcast, would this idea, would the Nintendo Entertainment System, would Garbage Pail Kids if they came out today in 2021 and were relevant to kids now today, would they actually matter? And uh, do they still hold up? And um, we enjoy it and we hope you guys give us a listen. Um, Yeah. Thanks Christian. Yeah. No. And uh, um, I think as of uh, this recording date, I think you're uh, three episodes in um, and, uh, and I will absolutely say as someone who has listened to it, um on the day that they drop uh, which i believe is thursdays right jay yeah we're dropping them on thursdays they're going to be um either every other thursday i believe so 
that is that is where we're we're doing it. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, a good a good listen. Uh, first episode, I believe, was the NES system. Um, and then uh, I remember, I, I think episode two, there were a couple of good hospital stories as well of going to the hospital as a kid as part of, uh, uh, you know, hanging out, waiting until the street light came on as the signal to go home. So, uh, yeah, oh, great yeah. listen, guys. It came from the 80s, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. So make sure you give them uh, a listen because it's uh, it, it's fun to reminisce. Uh, and it's uh, no and uh, Jay and Tony do a really good job. So. Uh, but that being said, we were kind of talking about our first interactions as neighbors and then also kind of just the support that neighbors uh, kind of give each other, um, at least in the traditional sense. But that kind of got me thinking, Jay, just kind of about the the true definition or what we kind of historically have uh, have thought about as, you know, the term neighbor. You know, we think about mm-hmm. when we think of the term neighbor, you know, we think of Mr. Rogers neighborhood, you know, won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> um and, and that type of thing. But I feel like these days anyway, and, and this is pandemic aside, I mean, obviously with, you know, us all being at home, you know, and not really seeing each other a whole lot over the past year. Um, yeah, but but even that aside, I feel like the true definition of of neighbor doesn't really exist anymore. Um, I feel like, I feel like, I mean, you and I, but also our street is a little bit of the uh, the exception and, and, and not the rule. Yeah, I would definitely say living here on Union Street is an anomaly. Um, we, uh, it's one of those things where I always feel like as neighbors, we definitely see each other and socialize as a group in a, in a good setting. I mean, for example, um, actually, if we go back right to the um, to the pandemic and, and even last summer, do you remember like the one cool thing we ended up doing as a neighborhood? Yeah, that was a really, really, really cool idea. I honestly, do you know who came up with the idea? I believe it was Alan Cindia from. Across okay, that doesn't surprise me. Um, that doesn't surprise me. They're wonderful folk. Yeah, what we ended up doing, obviously, as in the early stages of the pandemic, especially with all of the uncertainty going on, um, there was a um, heavy. I mean, there still is. I shouldn't say that there was. There still is a very strong outshowing, an outpouring of support for the frontline workers and uh, you know first responders and that type of thing. Especially as we were kind of battling this unknown kind of thing that was sweeping mm-hmm. through neighborhoods. And so every evening at seven p.m., we would, as a street, uh, we would come out to the end of our driveways. Obviously, that kept us very far apart from each other. Uh, and we would bring whatever noisemaker uh, we wanted, whether it was just our hands, instruments, uh, you know, pots and pans. It didn't matter. And we would come out to the street and we would just start cheering. Yeah. And we would uh, cheer and applaud. And, uh, you know, we'd all wave to each other. And uh, and I mean, it would probably go on for, I mean, who knows, a couple of minutes. I mean, you know, just enough time for us to kind of turn around and make sure we uh, gave the the neighborly nod or the, you know, the courtesy wave to each other. Um, uh, Al always seemed to have a different musical instrument. Um, really I did. feel like he, really uh, he loved to play uh, when the saints go marching in. He loved that one. He also loved uh, New York, New York. I remember he would play that. It would seem to be a different instrument every day. And, um, and, you know, we'd wave to each other and it was just a really, really neat kind of just community neighborhood street level, um, you know, way for us to, you know, even just say hello, because otherwise we were stuck in our houses. Um, and uh, yeah, that was such a neat idea. Um, and I feel like it's kind of 
that idea, I feel like, was almost the kind of that's Union Street in a nutshell. Almost, I feel like that's our that's our gang in a nutshell. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. And um, but I mean, just the fact that it's, I feel like things like that are so rare nowadays um, mm-hmm. that you know, I feel like in these ages, you know, with um, you know people moving into different neighborhoods and you know whatever this that and the other thing that I feel like the true you know, meaning of, uh, you know, of being a neighbor, I feel like it's fallen by the wayside, but thankfully, uh, not on our street. No, for sure. I mean, the one thing I think about just going back to the ringing of the bell ceremony, as I guess we'll call it here, it, it became a thing in our house, you know, it'd be like two minutes to seven. And I remember like looking at the clock and being like, and yelling my wife, Hey, we got to get something. The bell's going to be ringing soon. And we'd all, and, and my two boys, at that time used to be so into it. So they would like want to grab the pots and pans and immediately run out the door. And, and, you know, it's sometimes you've had a long day at work and you're like, that's the last thing I want to do is maybe do this, but we always made a commitment of it. It was extremely great. It was extremely there. Um, And, 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 and the one thing I remember about it too is, so uh, my daughter was born in in the, the May prior to the pandemic. Um, So, you know, she would have been six, seven, eight months old when the pandemic really started. But, um, you know, at, at that point, I mean, obviously, being my first child, you know, it was obviously being a new dad. I mean, it wasn't like we kind of like toddled her around and introduced her to the neighborhood. You know, it wasn't like, a, yeah, hey, we true. had a kid. Look at her. She's real cute. Um, it, You know, so that was almost an, a, a way for us to and for for my daughter to kind of like, you know, almost meet the neighbors because every, uh, you know, every night she'd come out with a different outfit. Now she was for the most part too young, although she did have a couple of like little shakers and things that she would like to use by that point. Uh, but, you know, we would always come out and wave and that was, it, it was almost, uh, you know, the, the way that we could uh, keep in touch and update, you know, each other as, as to what was going on with, uh, you know, with life uh, while, while staying safe. Um, because we were able to to see each other and and you're right sometimes it not that it felt like a chore but um but it was uh you know it was uh yeah it became something almost like a you know like a little tradition that uh that we we carried on for for several months uh and it was um yeah it was a lot of fun i remember like i said it was something we looked forward to you know, there were days that even I worked till I worked till almost seven and I would have to like run home and I sometimes <laughs> pull in the driveway and there's already, uh, you know, Jay and his kids out with the pots and pans. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. Or I'm beeping my horn because that's the only noisemaker I have, you know, because I'm coming in. But or in um, some ways you felt that I was like, oh, wait, here is this welcoming crowd welcoming home from a long day at the vet clinic. Yeah, here I am thinking, yeah, I've never had anybody cheer for me when I've come home from work before all the way down the street. Yeah, it's like, they, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't think I did that good of a job, but I mean, hey, you know, nice to have a fan club. But uh, yeah. So, yeah, question. But, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I, no, I, w- I was just going to say, um, what do you remember specifically about moving onto the street? So so big thing for me moving onto the street was um, just how many people actually sort of knew who my wife and I were. Um, at the time that we moved onto the street, we've been here, it'll be here eight years this summer in August, ironically, just like you. And when we moved in, they had known that, you know, my wife was an attorney. I work in it. Um, we, uh, we were expecting our firstborn was coming that, that upcoming January. And they had actually all known a little bit about us and maybe it was, uh, our neighbors, maybe it was the realtor or somebody, but the greatest thing was, is that 
somebody would say, oh, welcome to the neighborhood. And then they would bring a welcoming basket, right? It would be something like freshly homemade cookies. It would be something like, um, you know, a small snack or like a gift card or, hey, I, you know, that somebody would see movers coming in and people would be bringing boxes in and all of a sudden there'd be some big tall guy bringing a box in. And I'm like, who are you? They'd be like, oh, I'm your neighbor across the street. And um, it's just, you're right. It's a true definition of a nice neighborhood where people can really come and look out. I mean, you make the small joke of saying, hey, you know, you really just want your neighbor to be somebody who, if your house is on fire or your dog gets out, to tell you. And in, in this community that Christian and I live in, it really is uh, more than that. Jay, I got a question for you. Do you remember, speaking of, you know, being neighbors and, uh, and uh, checking in on each other's houses, do you remember the time I asked you to look after my house when, uh, when my wife and I went to Disney? <laughs> Which time, summer or winter? Winter. Oh, yes, of course. So, um, so Christian and I are always, uh, I would say over the past five years, you know, we've become pretty close. Um, we, we hang out, we have fun. Um, and then we, uh, we, we pull each other's back, obviously, when need be. But if, if memory serves me right, Christian, the story you're referring to is when you decided to go to Disney with your family in winter. And you said, hey, if it ends up snowing, would you mind, you know, just shoveling my driveway um, so the mail can get delivered? And uh, if anybody, anything, anybody needs to get into my driveway. And the next day that you left, about two and a half feet of snow fell in our driveway. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of. And now, if memory serves, you sent me a photo of it, yeah, of you snow blowing I... my driveway. And I think I responded with a photo of me at like the Magic Kingdom or something like that. Yeah, it was me like trying to do a selfie with the snowblower with like clearly what looked like two feet of snow behind me. And obviously it was prepped up because obviously with snow drifts, it looked like four feet. And you get the you send this sunny picture of you in sunny Disney World with like probably a drink in your hand. And your wife was wearing mouse ears. And I'm like, I hate you right now. <laughs> <laughs> clearly i don't but that's the first thing that i popped into my head i i wish i i mean i wish i could have planned it i mean that you know that story almost seems made up but uh yeah it was one of those where it's like literally i believe we i think it was halloween because normally my wife and i try to hit the halloween party um at disney and uh so i, I yeah i want to say it was like november 1st it was a day you know you think maybe a dusting you know like i said i I barely asked because I wasn't really expecting, you know, it was really, like I said, it was for the mailman. Um, yeah. and, and Jay and I are blessed uh, or cursed um, <laughs> with long driveways. And, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I did, I did feel a, a little bit bad about that. Um, but not really because yeah. I was in Disney world at the time. <laughs> I mean, it's uh it's all right. I mean, that's what neighbors do, right? I mean, I remember you messaging me at like 930 at night on a Tuesday to ask you to move a um, barefoot club uh, tub out of your house and into your car that you had to drive. But that is what uh, neighbors do. And um, yeah, thankfully, you know, that tub wasn't as heavy as I thought it was. Yeah, um, yeah thanks for that. That uh, that really I mean, even just, was it yesterday or the day before? I'm pretty sure I borrowed some gas for my uh, my trimmer. Yeah, yeah, uh, you did. And so, then even um, even this this afternoon when I came home from a uh, baseball practice with my son, and 
you needed somebody to help hold a uh, hold up your fence that was uh, needed to be repaired. That's what we do. I mean, you know, it all comes would... full circle. You know, started with me putting up the fence, and you're helping me repair it five years later. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. Now, speaking of neighbors, I mean, one when, when the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. Now, you at that point had. I mean, like I said, at that point, I mean, you had the three kids, of course. Um, Now, we were, uh, I say lucky enough um, that uh, at at that point, uh, our our daughter was only about, um, you know, a year old, really, in the in the midst of it. Uh, But we didn't have any school age kids. So uh, give the listeners a little bit of a, a taste of what that was like in the beginning. I mean, three kids still trying to work from home. Uh, what was that like? Yeah. So that was, that was really tough. Um, to be perfectly honest with you at that time, they would have been six, four and two. So anybody who knows anybody who has three children, six years of age and younger in any scenario is a very difficult and extremely tough situation. So just imagine the fact that now you have this and it's simply amplified because now, you know, the the local government and federal government says we want to try to eradicate this, this ongoing pandemic if everybody just stays home for two weeks will it'll go away well two weeks turns into two months which turns into 15 months right and and things have gotten a lot better here in the states um, and people are starting to get vaccinated now but that initial that initial first three to four months before the summer really hit and, and numbers started to come down was really hard you know there was probably about 12 weeks left of school for my for my oldest who was in kindergarten at that time and then obviously my my middle son was um, in pre-K and then my daughter, who's two, and we were trying to potty train and, and go through the terrible twos, which uh, any parent knows. And I think Christian right now says how terrible twos are um, terrible. My, uh, my 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 daughter is uh, a, a week away from, from turning two, um, but she started hers early for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the big thing for, for my wife and I was is you know, we are two working professionals, but at the same point, we have to go ahead and try to manage their busyness of being kids with the same responsibilities that they have in school. So for us, the hardest thing was how are we going to go ahead and schedule our lives around this? And luckily, working for two companies that both my wife and I do, they were pretty understanding for parents who were at home and working through this. So one of the things that was nice is that if we had a meeting or something, the it became sort of like the running joke now, I guess you could say over the past year, but the story of if a four-year-old um, runs by behind you as you're on an important phone call, it's acceptable, right? And it's, it's one of those things that was just perfectly okay. But what my wife and I would do to beginning, we would coordinate our schedules. She would say, okay, I have meetings at these times. You have meetings at these times. We know when our youngest is going to go in for a nap. And then our oldest has to sign into a Zoom call at X. So somebody's got to be able to make sure he can get on the computer, be up and running. And then for my middle son, we could do his homework whenever. So it was a lot of multitasking. It was a lot of management. Um, And it ended up, but I mean, we got through it, but it was extremely stressful. It was extremely, it made the days long. Um, It made us wane to look forward to when we could go back into the office because there was not four other people in the house that could go ahead and just sort of, uh, hey, can you make me a peanut butter jelly sandwich? Can you open this juice box? Um, 
you know, those things, not that they're terrible, but it was one of those things where it was just a lot of added stress. And we both looked forward to five o'clock at the time when uh, we could crack open a nice, cold, refreshing drink or a bottle of wine to unwind from a long day of parenting and working at the exact same time. And really look forward to those COVID porch beers. Am I right? Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Christian. We, um, we took advantage of those. And and so we, uh, Jay, um, has a very lovely wraparound porch at the, uh, (laughs) uh, on the front of his house. And so what we ended up doing, um, uh, because again, we, you know, had to socially distance, of course we, um, this was early on in the pandemic. So we wanted to make sure that we were being, you know, as safe as possible with just all the unknowns that were, uh, that were happening at the time. Um, but, uh, if there's one thing that Jay and I like to do together, um, it is drink beer. Um, yes, actually, uh, as of right now, uh, I'm currently drinking a, uh, Harpoon IPA um currently right now which is quite good jay what are you drinking right now um i have a boring miller light but that's because um we have a golf game scheduled for tomorrow morning and i do not want to be too hungover we sure do have a golf game scheduled for tomorrow so um but the the one thing that we ended up doing was uh covid porch beers although i guess it didn't necessarily uh it wasn't just beers. I feel like there were pictures of margaritas a couple of times oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that type of thing. Anyway, we were able to really position ourselves in the corners of the wraparound porch, which was, I mean, much more than six feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and with the multiple access, you know, the two stairs and everything. Um, I, I, I remember us, uh, you know, making a point really of, uh, of doing that with, uh, you know, with each other, um, you know, with both uh, the two of us and our wives, um, you know, to make sure that we were still, uh, you know, having some social interaction uh, Absolutely. And, and checking in with each other, really. I mean, because at that point, like we mentioned, there was a lot of, uh, you know, fear and unknown um, and uh, just, uh, you know, keeping the, uh, you know, togetherness of that neighborhood that we uh, that we spoke about earlier. Um, but the one the one story I remember from that specifically um, which I feel this kind of speaks to kind of what COVID with kids must be like is, uh, is Jay's oldest. Um, one time he came out onto the porch and he really just wanted to share his Doritos with me <laughs> like so badly. And, you know, uh, myself from a distance and Jay, obviously, you know, closer to had to kind of just, try to explain to to him why that that couldn't happen and uh i remember him just really being like he, he calls me uncle christian and i remember just being like hey uncle christian you want a dorito and i was like hey buddy i'd love a dorito but uh not today and uh and so i i remember that uh, i remember that vividly um just uh you know the poor little guy just wanting to share his chips with me so badly um, but, uh, but just not being able, to, able to do so. Do you remember the, the deal we got from the brewery? Oh, that was great. That was great. Yeah. Um, so we are fortunate as well to not only live in a great neighborhood, but to also have a brewery that's about three miles away. Um, and I would say one of the great things that actually came up about, 
uh, through COVID was that some of these breweries would actually start to do deliveries of beer. And I would say, if I, if memory serves me correct, we ended up getting a lot of beer for not a lot of money. We got um, what ended up, I felt like being cases of beer and like, and, and maybe for, I mean, we, we ordered together, but I ended up splitting it maybe 20, 25 bucks each. Yeah, it was, it was really, and it was, it was a whole mixture of four packs between stouts and porters and IPAs and, and you love sours. And it was just this great, uh, great thing. And it's like, well, for one person individually, if um, there would be a lot of beer to drink alone by themselves, even during a pandemic, but this was obviously split between two neighbors and it became one of those things of, Hey, let's order some beer and then let's drink some of it. So we could take some back home to our wives and family and not make them judge us. I thought was also something that was fun to do. Yeah. That's an important stipulation. Yeah. To make sure <laughs> that, uh, that there, that there was some there. Yeah. And, uh, um, and I mean, we can pat ourselves on the back, you know, to make sure to say, hey, we were supporting local business, of course. You know, that's that's Absolutely. really why we did it. Right. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. Not I mean, because uh, that's not it. because I we're mean, getting a great deal on beer that was literally dropped at our front door. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we were we're all about making sure through the, you know, support local business and make sure that it's all good, despite uh, any sort of assistance and help from that. The only thing I, I want to go back real quick, Christian, just to add a little bit more context to that story about my son. Um, as, as mentioned, they, they love you as an uncle of the, your own, you know? Um, and it's one of those things where, um, they, anytime they see uncle Christian, they always want to go give him a big humongous hug and see how he's doing. And, and uncle Christian always takes time to always pay attention to them, even when they're not stealing flags to basically just make sure seeing how they're doing their day is how, how they are always wants to play baseball with them. I say, check it in on the baseball swing. Absolutely. Exactly. So again, it's, it's just, it's really just adding into that whole neighborly thing that, you know, your first initial premonition of, you know, does this guy like kids, you know, my, my child stealing his flags to now, um, he has to hold himself back to give him a hug because of the uncertainties of the pandemic. In many ways, it becomes full circle. It'll be interesting to see what the kind of long-term ramifications of all of this are. Not that I think it's going to have any major, um, you know, uh, negative impacts, you know, on their development by any means in in that standpoint, but it's, uh, you know, it almost seems like a completely different time, you know, when it's just like when we didn't even think about those things, right? Like, like I said, your oldest, if, uh, if like he would run, he would almost tackle me, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and when coming over and now it's like a complete hesitation towards that. Um, and it'll be interesting to see when our, our bodies, you know, once this is all over, eventually, like you said, people starting to get vaccinated and all that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, how long it takes our body to kind of retrain ourselves back into, uh, into what we were uh, in some point. But, um, but yeah, we'll take a quick break here on the uh, dad joke loading podcast. Um, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Also dad joke loading um, at, at gmail.com. And also if you want to check out Jay's podcast, it came from the eighties. Uh, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. It's, it came from the eighties, both on Twitter and Instagram as well. Correct. That's right. Actually. Yeah. It's, it's came from the eighties. Yeah. Came uh, from the eighties. Okay. All right. Came from the eighties. Uh, make sure to check them out as well. Jay and Tony reminiscing about the greatest decade of their lives. Um, but we'll be right back here on the dad joke loading podcast. I'm Christian. That's Jay guest hosting in for Chris this week. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
Hey, Michael Spicer here. I'm a sound designer and a composer. Are you a D&D podcaster? Well, we got swords! Ooh, ouch. Spells. And oh boy, the creatures. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve and I'm a goblin. Need your voice altered? Just tell me what you want to sound, sound like. like! Robot? Robot? Tiny? Tiny? Demon? Demon? If you need sounds or music for your project, go to michaelspicermusic.com! Just like a photon, we're traveling light. I'm Christian, that's Jay. We're back here on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast, uh, and we're going to bring us right back in with one of our favorite recurring segments um, called Dad Joke of the Week. Now, Jay, I think it's only polite that we let our guests uh, do the uh, dad joking this week. So I know that I threw this to you in advance. Um, So what do you got for us here in terms of uh, your favorite dad jokes here on the podcast? Well, Christian, as a father of three, you know, in many ways, I can't do things just one time. So for you, I have uh, a few podcasts I'm going to throw your way. Uh, actually, check that. A few uh, dad jokes I'm going to throw your way. All right, Christian, what does a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? A tick and the Eiffel Tower. They're both Paris sites. Oof. <laughs> Paris sites. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm in. I like it. We're uh, We're getting here to the end of the month, you know, but I got to tell you, sir, I'm afraid of the calendar. It's days are it's days are numbered. <laughs> I have heard that one before. <laughs> it's days are numbered. That's good. That's good. You know, every morning I like to wake up, you know, take my take a shower. And one of the things I love to do is sing in the shower. You know, singing is singing in the shower is fun until you get soap in your mouth. <laughs> you know why? Because then it's a soap opera. Oof. These are the days of our lives. I don't know. T- I only know 25 letters of the alphabet. Did I ever tell you that? I don't know. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So being a veterinarian, you know, um, and, and you've met my new dog um, that we have. Yes. Um, I was trying to really see how smart she is. So I asked her a question. I said, um, hey, Bella, do you know what two minus two is? She said nothing. That's a smart dog. <laughs> she is um, really great, though. Quick aside, she is really great. Yeah, we um, we definitely love her. Our kids. We've had her now for about four months. We adopted her as an adult dog from a from a family friend, and uh, she's fantastic. The kids get along great with her. She's a chocolate lab, and uh, she's uh, she's great. Just a sweetheart. All right, last one I got for you, sir. You ready? Yep. Why can't a nose? be 12 inches long why because then it would be a foot (laughs) i should have seen that 12 inches i should have seen that one coming that's funny (laughs) that's good that's good well thank you for bringing those to the podcast we always appreciate those um and uh you know the listeners at home we always want to hear your favorite dad jokes as well so make sure you hit us up with those and we'll make sure we'll try and get them on the podcast 
But Jay, moving on, I I feel like the listeners need to know, you know, it's not always, uh, you know, lend me, uh, lend me some sugar, I am your neighbor, uh, <laughs> you know, between us. We really like to uh, get into some pretty decent competition between the two of us. And uh, so I've called this kind of, I've titled this next section of the show, Neighbor versus Neighbor. Um, now, one of those neighbors is spelt without a U, that's J, and one of those with a U, that's me, being the Canadian. Um, but we basically like to try and turn everything into a wager or competition. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that Christian and I really love um, is sports, whether it's college sports, college basketball, professional sports, playing sports on our own, living in our own fantasy realm of sports. Um one of the things that Krisha and I really started to bond and become good friends, in addition to obviously being neighbors, is our both our love for sports. So anytime that Christian and I can involve sports, <clears throat> watching sports, and placing a friendly or monetary wager, we do. Now, I don't really remember how we got started on this. Do you like, I don't really like, do you remember, was there an initial wager in your mind that you could remember that was just like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then it was like, okay, yeah, this is going to become a thing. You know what? It's a, it's a great question. Um, I think one of the first times that you and I ever sort of socialized um, in a group setting was I had you come over for one of my uh, draft parties, the NFL. I was going to say, I feel like the first thing I remember was the NFL draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, to, so give our listeners a, an example of what we would do. Um, Christian, myself, and a, and a couple other of, of my friends, we would do a mock draft of the uh, NFL draft, 32 teams. And then what we would do is we would all get a roll of quarters, right? And we would put $8 worth of quarters into this bucket. And then every time somebody guessed the correct player and position to a um, – to their mock draft, they received a quarter. And it was one of those things where we started to do it and we started to pick it. And do you remember who the person that won the first time was? I thought there was a tie. I thought it was myself and somebody else, if I remember correctly. I feel like yeah. I won the first time I came over. You did. You won the first time. And it was at that point, I think, that I realized, okay, Christian likes to bet on things. So we can turn this into more fun things that we could bet on, for sure. Now, one of the things we we currently have an ongoing wager on is uh, Pick'em Baseball. Yeah, and, it's really cool. Uh, if, if the listeners remember on a previous episode, I referenced that I was drinking a beer uh, courtesy of my next door neighbor. <laughs> uh, and that neighbor was Jay. And so... Um, a friend of mine specifically got me into this particular uh, baseball pick'em app. It's called Five for Five, and basically, what you do is each week you pick, uh, or each day, excuse me, you pick uh, five baseball teams you think you're going to win. You can't pick the same team more than three times in a week, and uh, you know there are associated points and this, that, and the other thing. And so uh, I, I got I got Jay involved. And, uh, you know, it's for fun. It's just on the app. But of course, Jay and I being Jay and I, uh, <laughs> we, we, we had to make it a little more interesting. And so uh, the current wager is at the end of each week, there is a winner. And uh, that winner between Jay and I, although there are other people in the pool with us, which is really just for fun, but between Jay and I, the winner 
receives a beer hung over the fence, uh, like that fence that we've referenced multiple times already. Uh, so there's a beer hanging over the fence, uh, courtesy of the loser to the winner. And uh, and so and then at the end of the year, whoever has the overall win um, has a little bit more of a uh, a little more of a prize involved with it. Um, the prize of which uh, I believe I am paying you tomorrow morning if I don't uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, because uh, I owe Jay a round of golf. Um, so tomorrow morning uh, we'll be hitting the links courtesy of uh, of my dollar because he uh, he picked more baseball games uh, uh, than me. Yeah, absolutely, Christian. It's fun. I mean, we do this little thing, um, and it's one of those things where sometimes there's a text message that pops over about 4 o'clock on a Sunday, and it says, looks like you got me this week. The beer will be hanging shortly. And it's one of those things where I was getting a little worried today, Christian, because um, tomorrow is Sunday, and we're recording Saturday night, and it is, I didn't get my beer till about three hours ago. And I was like, "Uh oh, well, it's like, that's OK, um, because I figured he might just have to put two in um, tomorrow. <laughs> well, the the problem was is, um, you know, as as we know, with with kids, you know, you get busy, you know, with mm-hmm. work, you get busy. And so um, the only beers that I had left in my collection were either beers I knew you wouldn't enjoy um, I am, uh, I'm currently in a bit of a sour kick. You know, I really like the sours. I've been on them for a little bit. Uh, Jay, I know you're a little bit more of an, an IPA, yeah. um, kind of guy, but the only IPAs that I had left were IPAs that you had given me from previous bets. <laughs> and so I couldn't really in good faith, just be like, well, here's the beer you gave me two weeks ago that I just haven't got to. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, I had to make my, make my way to, uh, to the bottle shop down the, uh, down the street there to make sure to get a, a couple of cool looking IPAs that, um, that I can hang over the fence for you. So don't worry, I'm fully stocked. Hopefully I would, I uh, don't have to give you one of those, uh, in a, in a day or two, but, uh, um, but, uh, the other funny thing about that too, is in this particular game, if you go five for five in a day, so if you get all five, uh, picks correct, you get this little icon on your phone when you open the app that's like, woohoo, five for five. And so Jay and I were like, you know what? A beer a week just isn't really interesting enough. Let's make it more interesting. If you go five for five in a day, there's a monetary value to that. So the longer you go without a five for five, the pot keeps growing. And then normally it's on, you know, uh, well, Jay, as I'm sure you're aware, with kids we're up early there's really no sleeping in so typically there's a text around 6 a.m or you know between 6 and 7 a.m and it's just an image and whenever (laughs) i look at my phone first thing in the morning and all i see is j poke and there's an it just says attachment one image i just go mother bleeper and i open it and there it is five for five and i'm just like gosh darn it I got to open my Venmo and I, whatever the pot is, typically we got to figure it out and I got to Venmo him the money. Um, now I should say money. I mean, we're talking, I, I think the biggest five for five pot, we typically, what was like 50 cents a day. So I mean, yeah, I think our biggest pot has been like seven bucks. Yeah. I think we're throwing a quarter in each or something like that. Like we're, we're big spenders here. Right. And I think, yeah, big spenders about- here on the dad joke loading podcast. But, uh, <laughs> but, but speaking of big spenders, uh, you know, the, and, and, and thrown in a quarter, um, 
we also like to bet on golf. We do. We and do. speaking of golf, because we're going there tomorrow, and uh, and uh, yeah, we like to uh, we like to we like to bet on golf because again, apparently for Jay and I, golf on its own. Although the solace of the links and just being out the two of us and uh, you know shooting the shit, talking about life, um, you know, kids, uh, fatherhood, husbandhood, at trying to adult the best we can. Um, you know, that, that is, uh, worth it on its own. Um, but a little friendly competition is, uh, is, is always good as well. So, uh, Jay, why don't you let them know what we do on the course? Yeah, absolutely. Christian. Yeah. I I have to, I have to just add to that. I mean, we obviously love our wives and our children and, you know, we appreciate them giving us the opportunity to go and spend four hours, uh, hitting a little white ball around a green field and it's nice, but it's great to just have that that time away, which I think all, all parents have to have some sort of personal time to themselves because it allows to give them a, a refresh to be able to jump back in and obviously enjoy that all that is in parenthood. But, um, but obviously, yes. So, I mean, what, what Christian and I do is similar. We will, um, we'll play sort of a quarter, a hole, right? So if, uh, if it's a par five, the person who has the best score for that hole wins the quarter. And obviously in the event that there is a tie as a push, that quarter goes to the next hole. And then obviously at the end of the day, whoever has won the most money, the other person Venmo's that person over. Um, I will give mad props to Christian. Christian is actually a pretty good golfer. So in this scenario, whereas a bet wherein usually I might be doing a little bit better in the sports betting of baseball games, Christian actually kicks my butt sometimes in golf. So I do this where um, I know I'm going into probably having to pay him three or four dollars. But there is one thing again, big com- spenders here on the podcast. <laughs> but there's one thing in the game of uh, we also do uh, if we're doing a part three, it's closest to the hole, I think wins a dollar if it lands on the green. Right. But there's one thing in the game of golf where I the odds are a little bit more favored in the American side of the coin, let's say. And that is when it comes to putting. Um, oh, I'm such a bad putter. I'm uh, I'm not a, I'm not a terrible putter. I uh, putting is probably one of the better parts of my game, but we have a rule that says if you three putt from the on the green, the French doesn't count. It's an automatic dollar. So thank goodness for those three putts, Christian. I sometimes win most of my money back. I've probably I've probably given you ten to fifteen dollars in three putts. And I mean, we only really started doing this, what, a year or two ago? Yeah. So, I mean, we're not talking that many golf games. I mean, you know, Jay and I don't golf all that often. Um, But, uh, I mean, we'd love to golf way more often. But uh, as Jay mentioned, you know, wives and kids, you know, that type of thing, you know, responsibility. Um, But, um, yeah, I've probably given a solid probably $15 back. You know, I've already, I've won the whole um, you know, and that type of thing. And I'm sitting there going, great. Yeah. I won the hole, blah, 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 but I still three putted. So somehow I win the hole, but I still owe Jay 50 cents. Um, <laughs> and, and somehow, which is just one of those, uh, yeah, one of, one of those things that, uh, ends up, you know, but it makes it fun. So we're sitting there, not only are we keeping score, but it's also like, Hey, you know, uh, you know, you know, Christian's up by two, uh, but he's also up three fifty. So, and again, you know, if you had 
the worst golf wall golf game of your life you probably owe the other person 10 bucks so i mean again yeah. instead yeah it's, it's certainly uh it's certainly not for any major uh you know monetary value because then our wives would really kill us if we uh <laughs> if we came home with a with some major major gambling debt for sure i mean it's definitely it makes it fun it's uh again we're doing it just for uh, an extra kick in the can and we really enjoy it um but christian those aren't the only two things that we actually do a neighbor versus neighbor in um so i've i've been I've, i have a fantasy football league that i've been running for uh, 22 years now, which is quite a long time. Uh, this is going into the 22nd year. Yes, Camelot. And, yeah, the Camelot Fantasy Football League. And uh, and this past year, I had an opening. And obviously, due to the fact that Christian and I love sports. Um, side note on baseball, we actually both got tickets for the upcoming series, one of the series here in Buffalo, right? The uh, the Blue Jays will be playing in Buffalo. I believe I previously mentioned during your your major league baseball preview episode. Um, so the, but the blue Jays will be playing in Buffalo for at least one month of ball. And you and I both are taking our wives to that, which will be pretty awesome. Uh, just a quick side note to all of my, uh, Canadian, uh, listeners and friends who are also blue Jays fans. Uh, sorry, not sorry. We'll be there June 1st. Drinking the first game in Buffalo, drinking American craft IPAs. Yeah, wearing our Blue Jays jersey and our Toronto Giants ball caps, not to be, uh, not to be outdone. That's right. We're OG Toronto fans. <laughs> but to get back to fantasy football, um, there was an opening this year in my league, and having Christian knowing that he loves sports and he likes to gamble a little bit on the uh, sporting bet, I asked Christian if he wanted to join an entry fee and join into my league. And again, we're not a large monetary league, but Christian obliged and joined the league, which was great. Um, and Christian and I actually played each other a couple times um, this year. But Christian, I'll let you tell tell our listeners how that turned out. Oh, you're going to, uh, okay, you're going to make me suffer through the entire story. Okay. All right. Okay. So um, yeah, great league, great group of guys. Um, but the way that the, the season is set up uh, to make a, a long story shorter, really two divisions. Uh, you play everybody in the league, but you play your own division twice. Uh, division standings uh, determine playoff seedings, and so on and so on. And so I felt pretty good about my team. Uh, I was pretty happy with it. Um, and, and and we're going through the year. And uh, Jay, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, we met each other early in the season. And that was – Jay had Aaron Jones – who is the uh, running back for the Green Bay Packers, my favorite team. <laughs> so I was happy when he spouted off for about three touchdowns and 200 yards. But the problem was, is I was against him in fantasy. And so <laughs> I think Aaron Jones single-handedly almost beat my entire team that week. So, okay, you know, all right, well, you know, first time in my rookie season in the league, Jay's the commissioner, you know, his one player went off and basically outscored most of my team. All right, I'll give him that one. And so we meet a little bit later on in the season, and uh, and Jay beats me again. Don't really remember the specifics, but of course, I'm sure there was some t- trash talk uh, via text <laughs> message that happened throughout that time. Uh, but um, but Jay beats me again. We uh, we both go through the, the the end of the season, and then it turns out, well, guess what? First round of the playoffs. Guess who the matchup is? Well, it's Christian versus Jay. So, okay. 
So I'm sitting there going, all right, well, nobody really, it's tough to beat somebody three times in a row. And it is, it and really is. It's really tough. And so, I mean, regardless of where you are, you know, major sports, you know, college ball, uh, you know, random fantasy football league, um, you know, it's tough to beat somebody three times in a row. So here I am saying, here's my time. And so, as Jay and I tend to do, we make a wager. And so I'm like, you know what, here, let's make this. So this is around uh, the time where we're saying um, we, 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 we're talking about each other. We say, hey, don't, uh, so I say, hey, Jay, let's make it interesting. All right. Winner of this fantasy football matchup uh, owes the other person uh, a golf outing for the, you know, so <laughs> golf beers, some food and that type of thing. And, uh, and so after some thought process, uh, you know, and, and some thinking about it, Jay, Jay obliged. And, and, and so, and we went for it. And so here we are, you know, in, in this matchup and, um, and this is coming into uh, the end of the season. And Jay is absolutely tattooing me for the first part <laughs> of it. And so uh, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you had a couple of Tennessee Titans. I think Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I had um, both those guys. My uh, team was pretty good. Your team was very, very good. And so I'm getting absolutely killed. And so there we are. Sure enough. I'm like, Oh, great. Here we go. So anyway, last game of the weekend is, uh, is Monday night football. Um, and it was the game where uh, the Cleveland Browns ended up scoring like 56 points or something like that. And what it came down to was the fact that I had both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on my team, both Cleveland running backs. And if I had started both, I would have won. <laughs> but instead, I took a gamble and only started one of them. And uh, and I lost. So uh, as hard as it is to beat somebody three times in a year, Jay made it look real easy. And uh, and so I owed him a golf outing um, for the for then. So which I think I paid back one of my golf outings. And I think tomorrow morning is going to be the second one. Right. So whether that's the baseball or fantasy football one uh, remains to be seen. But golf's on me tomorrow morning anyway. So this so I think the uh, the outcome of this is if golf's on the line, Christian probably should not bet Jay because it just might not work out in your favor. But regardless of that and all good things to bring actually this whole entire uh, neighborly item full circle, uh, Christian did bring a gift upon successful about losing to me and, and my successful win. I did go on to win the championship. So I think having Christian lose that and knowing that probably helped ease his his crying a little bit. If you're going to lose, you might as well lose to the champ, right? So, you know, and I, and I did, and we already talked about me crying on national television. So that's a different story, but being a nice neighborly person, Christian did bring me a present the following morning. Um, it was a broomstick because <laughs> I had, because I had swept him. <laughs> I had forgotten about that completely <laughs> until we were talking about this episode and you were like do you remember putting a broom on my back porch and i did <laughs> i went down to the uh to the hardware store um you know ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks um hey ace if you want to sponsor the podcast uh let me know but um but yeah i went down and i and and i got a broom and i left it there with a note on it that said uh, congratulations 
yeah, you swept me right out of there. So, um, but uh, yeah, all 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 in good fun. Uh, another uh, another installment of Neighbor versus Neighbor. I'm sure will be uh, will will be coming up soon. But uh, all that being said, we'll take a quick break here on the podcast. Um, that's uh, that's Jay. I'm Christian. Get in touch with the show, dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com, Twitter and Instagram as well. And uh, a quick shout out for Jay's podcast came from the 80s Twitter, Instagram as well. Um, But we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back. Uh, And Jay's going to lead us uh, in actually one of his favorite segments from the show. But we'll let him introduce that when we come back. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. This is Jay filling in this week for Chris. And Christian, what I'd like to do right now is lead us into one of my favorite segments of the show called Rapid Fire. Christian, this week I thought we would do something uh, fun for Rapid Fire. And this time base our questions around the, uh, the difference of the fact that you and I are both different nationalities, you being Canadian and myself being American. But let's let's make our rapid fire questions this week about our favorite things or experiences about each other's country. What do you? All like? right, cool. All right, Christian, I got a question for you. What is your favorite thing about the U.S.? Beer at the grocery store. You know, in Canada, we or I guess in Ontario, you got to go to a specific store. You know, they're closed on the holidays. You know, don't get me wrong. Love me the beer store and the LCBO. But there's just something about being able to go into just like a Tops. Um, sorry, Tops for my Canadian friends is kind of like Fortino's. It's kind of, you know, your typical grocery store. And there's just a big old beer department there. So you can get your bread and your eggs and your milk, but then also just a case of whatever you want. Um, uh, so, I, yeah, I'm going to say beer at the grocery store. Nice. I like that. Actually, I, I think I think I should pause here and say that my favorite thing actually about the United States is my wife. <laughs> uh, but my second favorite thing is beer at the grocery store. That's awesome. I like that answer better That's if awesome. she's even listening. So I would say my favorite thing about Canada is the drinking gauge. Um, and, you know, for for us here as Americans, you know, the drinking age is 21. So we have to wait legally two more years than you do at 19. But when you're 19, all Americans make that pilgrimage against across one of the three bridges, whether it's the Lewiston, the Queenston, the Queenston Lewiston, the Rainbow, or the Peace Bridge, to travel across into Niagara Falls or Fort Erie to partake in some drinking and entertainment, whether it be a casino, a bar, or somewhere to enjoy. So that is obviously my favorite thing. But in addition to that, if I thought now as an adult, I would say probably my favorite thing about Canada is actually the people. Uh, I think Canadians are some of the nicest people that I've ever met and continue to meet. And hence why I live next door to one for sure. Your checks in the mail. (laughs) All right, Christian, what is your favorite sporting event that you actually ever attended here in the States? Oof. There have been a couple. Um, but if I have to pick one, I'm going to say it was my trip to Lambeau field. Nice. Uh, now in between my undergraduate degree and my veterinary degree, um, my really good friend, Dan and I, 
who is also a Packers fan. We uh, traveled to to Lambeau Field. We spent about four days in Green Bay, which culminated with uh, with the game. And, uh, you know, we took in the Packers Hall of Fame, uh, you know, got the tour of the field. Um, you know, we got to do the Lambeau Leap. Obviously, there was no crowd, but uh, but uh, and that type of thing. And then we went to the game. Now, the game was on uh, January 1st. So we um, uh, it was I mean, it's Green Bay, Wisconsin in January, freezing cold. And so. Uh, I remember it was hysterical because we started tailgating at about 7.30 in the morning. And, and but the way that they tailgated it then is they had this big heated tent where you were, uh, I mean, people were getting drunk, frankly, but they were serving breakfast. I don't know why I remember that so well, but we got literally like our eggs, bacon and toast while we were now, of course, Wisconsin, you mentioned Miller Lite, there's Miller Lite everywhere. So there's our, you know, you got your tall boy Miller Lite with your eggs. Anyway, um, yeah, ended up with the game at Lambeau. We were so cold. Every single item of clothing we purchased that day, I think we wore to the game just to try to stay warm. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was it was one of my favorite memories. So uh, I'm going to say uh, Lambeau Field, um, although there are a couple of other uh, beauties up there. But what about you? What was your favorite sporting event that you attended in Canada? So this would actually be my favorite sports entertainment event in Canada. Uh, side note, not many people know this, um, and my wife was one to be surprised about this when she found out, but I am a humongous professional wrestling fan. And I always have been since the age of five from the, you know, eat your, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, Hulk Hogan. And that continued actually with Hulk Hogan to WrestleMania 18 at the Sky Dome on March 17th, 2001. So I got to go to WrestleMania 18. I got to see Hulk Hogan versus The Rock. Um, and it was just an experience that I'll never forget to be at a WrestleMania, see probably the largest, you know, now, you know, the most, the most famous professional wrestler of all time versus the probably one of the most famous actors currently in all of, uh, you know, cinema. Could you in fact smell what the rock was cooking? Oh, I smelled it. <laughs> I smelled it for sure. Jabroni. <laughs> All right, let's get, you know what, uh, let's get back to that beer buying experience, Christian. I want to hear about your first experience ever buying beer as a Canadian in the United States. Yeah, I had to think about this one. Um, and one of my first memories of buying beer, um, I'll, I'll expand it a little bit to alcohol in general, um, was actually... Uh, believe it or not, on a Habitat for Humanity trip down south uh, in my in my uh, third year of university um, or junior year for our American counterparts, um, because by that point, I mean, I had to be 21. Right. Yeah. Um, so much like, uh, you know, Americans could take advantage of the reverse. I had to wait um, to, to be able to drink legally in the United States. So uh, long story short, as part of the Habitat for Humanity, we went down. Um, you know, we would help with building houses and everything like that. But on the weekend, you know, we would make sure to take some trips, uh, you know, see some things, you know, it was typically on, uh, our winter break, uh, from, uh, from, from classes. And so one of the things we were able to do because we were in Mississippi at the time was actually take a quick jaunt over to new Orleans, um, and actually, uh, partake in Mardi Gras. Hmm. 
<laughs> and so I remember one of the first experiences I have of buying alcohol in the United States was actually um, a particular drink that's called um, the Grenade. And uh, the Grenade was a um, alcoholic kind of mixed drink cocktail that was served in this uh, ginormously tall glass, of course, the bottom of which looked like a grenade. You carried it around and had a light up, you know, crazy straw, uh, you know, that type of thing. Because, I mean, I feel like I was 21. So, of course, I was probably uh, very uh, impressionable to marketing. So, uh, so uh, that's what I remember is Bourbon Street Mardi Gras. Um, but, uh, um, that was, uh, something that I remember vividly, uh, uh, back in my youth, if I can call it that. So, uh, what about you? What was your, what was your experience with, uh, with buying uh, booze uh, up in the great white North? Yeah. So, um, obviously from an American perspective, right. We can just walk into a grocery store and purchase beer, right? If we do have to purchase any type of liquor or wine, we have to go to, similar to you, um, to a specific liquor store, um, that only serves that. But for me, obviously it's being a, somebody who enjoys the bubbly of beer and ales, I would like to go to a beer store. So it was interesting for me to actually go into a place legitimately actually called the beer store in Ontario. Right. And I thought it was cool. Like this is a store called the beer store. But for me, my initial uh, in first reactions was the fact that obviously it has limited hours due to the province of Ontario, obviously limiting, you know, when alcohol could be sold. So it's like, oh, you'd have to get there by like nine o'clock at night or they don't open to a specific time. So a friend of mine would obviously rent a cottage up on uh, in Fort Erie over on Lake Erie and that area of Crystal Beach. And we would go to the beer store. But my always thought was when I walked in there, there were two things that I always noticed or overheard uh, Canadians calling, right? So here in the States, we call a case of beer, um, a case of beer, right? 24 bottles and a case of beer. We call it a 24 pack. But it's one of the things in Canada where I would hear the lingo of it being referred to as a 2-4. A 2-4, you're darn right. You know, and so it's just like, what's a 2-4? You know, don't you be a case? And that was just something. And then also the other thing that I always found interesting about shopping in the beer store was being here in the States. We obviously have, um, you know, many imported beers, as I mentioned, being a 19 year old, you know, you want to go up to Canada to drink Canadian beer because it's a lot more. Um, it's better. <laughs> hey, our American IPA world has come along. It's come a um, long way. You're right. Yeah. But obviously as a young 19 year old, you know, you want to drink the most alcohol as possible before you have to go home to mom and dad. So, you want to drink the uh, Labatt Ice. You want to drink the Molson Triple X, whatever you can. But one thing I always found interesting about going to the beer store was Labatt, for example, had a beer that I had never heard of before. And I'm like, I have to have that because it was not sold in the States. And that was Labatt Wildcat. Uh, and I remember the bottle as clear as day. It actually had like an actual panther on the bottle. And I'm like, this is this is interesting. <laughs> All right, Chris, Christian, uh, next question I got for you here, Powers of Rapid Fire. What's your favorite trip you ever took here in the States? All right. Okay, I'm going to answer this in two parts um, because if I don't, my wife would kill me. Uh, so I'm going to answer this in two parts, uh, one of which I'm going to call dude trip. The other one I'm going to call dad trip because uh, I think they're, they're very different categories. Um, my favorite dude trip uh, is actually 
the graduation trip I took uh, from veterinary school, four of us went on a road trip and we basically saw nine baseball games in nine days, uh, three of which were at Yankee Stadium, three of which were at Fenway Park in Boston, and then back to New York City uh, to the New York Mets Stadium at that point, which was called City Field. Um, and so that was my favorite dude trip, I think, because, um, being a baseball junkie, uh, the Blue Jays were in Fenway, um, uh, at a previous podcast, we uh, made reference to the group of pilots we met at Fenway, who are now one of some of our really, really good friends. Um, so I'm going to call that my favorite trip. Um, and then my favorite dude trip. Now my favorite dad trip. Um, uh, I'll get all sentimental real quick, um, was actually the first time I was able to take my daughter to Disney World. Um, so my wife and I are Disney fanatics. We drink the Kool-Aid. We have Disney themed everything. Um, but uh, so we've been many, many times. Uh, but then going for the first time with my young daughter, being able to let her experience it and then also experience it as a dad. You know, I was one of those millennials who didn't have kids that people complain about. Um, and then, uh, but now I'm full on into the dad mode. And, uh, and so being there with my daughter and being able to see her experience, it was, uh, uh, yeah, something I'll never forget. So a uh, dude trip, dad trip. Um, but uh, what about you? What was one of the favorite trips you took in Canada? Those are awesome trips, man. Um, so my most favorite trip I ever took to Canada was in uh, January of 2011, 2010. And I actually went to the Olympics in Vancouver. And, oh, uh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So I got to go to the Winter Olympics in Vancouver. Um, and it was my girlfriend at that time who ended up actually eventually becoming my wife. Um, but on this trip, we actually saw seven events. Um, which was awesome from men's figure skating to, to bobsledding, to skeleton, to, uh, us, uh, Canada hockey, which no us hockey game. How'd that game end up? Which one? Oh, the, the preliminary game or the, uh, Oh, I just, but who won gold? I don't remember. Uh, that would be Sidney Crosby who won. Uh, That's what I, okay. Sorry. I I couldn't remember. Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, humble. You're right. Okay, Christian. Um, <laughs> but but two great moments actually obviously stand out about that Vancouver trip. One of them was actually getting engaged. I actually did get engaged at the Olympics in Vancouver in 2010. I did not know that. I yeah. was today years old when I learned that about you. Yeah. So there's a whole story to it. Uh, not to dive in, make once again, rapid fire be 25 minutes, but I will tell the abridged version. I had purchased the ring. We had flown from America, from Buffalo to to Seattle, and then drove from Seattle to Vancouver. So obviously, funny story is I had to get the ring from one place to the other. I figured the safest place would be my pocket as you went through security at the airport. Little did I realize that the carrying case would be magnetic and would go off while I walked through the metal detector. And basically then um, had to show the TSA agent what it was. He said, oh, give that to me. And he said, I got to put that through the machine, make sure it's okay. So I was watching it like a hawk. It went through the metal detector machine and it wasn't in the little case. And I'm like, what happened to the ring? Sure enough, he actually took it out of the little case, knew which bag was mine and put it into the bag for me. Not a problem. We ended up actually getting engaged um, in Whistler 
of all places. I was going to say, I feel like there had to been a beautiful backdrop. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it was, uh, I sort of baited her. We had had a wonderful day. We had gone and saw bobsledding and skeleton, um, which was the date that the Canadian had won the skeleton, the men's skeleton. And John Montgomery. He, yeah. And he was extremely intoxicated running around Whistler with pitchers of beer, people bringing out to him. It was awesome. But, uh, I, uh, we went out to dinner and, uh, at a, at a nice restaurant in there and we were walking around enjoying the, uh, the atmosphere and the, we had passed right by like these, uh, the Olympic rings as they were. And I said, this, this trip's been amazing. Um, what do you think about it? You know? And she goes, oh, this is awesome. It was such a lifetime experience. And I said, you know, we'll make it even better. And then she said, what? And then of course I popped the question and she said, obviously, yes. And then we called our parents to tell them the news. Um, the, uh, so that was one of the greatest moments of that trip in addition to just being at the Olympics, but you did make fun of me for the fact of the golden goal by Sidney Crosby. <laughs> I will tell my favorite story, um, outside of that was actually not at an event, but I did have the opportunity to actually, while in Whistler, us did play Canada and being from Buffalo, Ryan Miller was the goalie then. So being extremely proud of my, our goalie was actually, the U.S. starting goaltender at that time, which was just great as an American yes. and great as somebody from Buffalo. So Ryan Miller, so we went, I, I ended up going into this bar about 10 a.m. The game was at one and the bar was not very big. I thought maybe there might be about a hundred people in the bar. And in the bar, there was all Canadians except for about six Americans. And sitting as Americans was myself, um, my wife, um, and four Canadian college four american college kids from minnesota who all sat together and the six of us were the most loud and obnoxious typical stereotype americans that we could be because we were so proud that ryan miller had stood on his head i won a bet again against somebody for a pitcher of beer because the americans beat him and then of course i paraded around the next day holding the vancouver paper um, where Ryan Miller basically set the Canada. So that was my favorite trip, getting engaged, seeing the Olympics, and seeing the Americans actually win a preliminary game, despite it not mattering, and Sidney Crosby shoving Americans down their throat once again. <laughs> Sounds like you should just continually bet against, like bet Canadians. Sounds like you've got a pretty uh, good uh, good grasp on how to win their money. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a funny thing, right? All right, uh, question five for you, sir. What's the one thing that you got the most wrong about as a Canadian about the United States? Yeah, the thing I didn't realize the most about the United States, I shouldn't say the most, because uh, I'm going to keep everything politically correct, I suppose. Um, but the one thing I remember that was super surprising to me was the lack of holidays that Americans actually observe. So in Canada, and my wife always teases me that we have a bunch of made up holidays just to make holidays, uh, which might be true. Um, but it, it started, I remember I started working here in about January uh, of, of uh, 2016. And uh, I was still going back and forth to Canada at that point, you know, my wife, who at the time was my girlfriend, um, you know, we were living together, but um, you know, we didn't have our own house until several months later. Long story short, I had plans to go home for Easter weekend. And, but all of a sudden the schedule came out and I was working Good Friday. 
And here I am thinking, now that's got to be a mistake, you know, and it says in God we trust on the dollar bill. I mean, everyone <laughs> observes Good Friday, right? And so thinking at least to have the day off and my manager and my boss were like, no, no, it's a normal day. And I was like, oh, I'm going to need to, uh, I'm going to need to make some calls. <laughs> I had to cancel some plans just like the 26th of December, you know, we get Christmas day off. Um, but, uh, at least in the veterinary world, December 26th, although it is boxing day in Canada, it's just a normal ass day in the United States. Um, and I had a full schedule of appointments and procedures and everything just like every other day. So I'm, that was an adjustment I had to get used to, especially because all of my buddies up in Canada, you know, were sitting there on their day off, you know, going like, Hey, how's it going? And I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm working all day. And, um, you know, and that type of thing. So yeah, there are a couple of different ones, you know, obviously American Thanksgiving being a different one that, uh, but, um, but yeah, I had to get used to that specifically. So that was one kind of big uh, uh, adjustment to the system that I hadn't really considered uh, about about the United States. But uh, what about you? What was one thing that you uh, realized you might have had wrong about Canada? That's uh, yeah, you, that could definitely be an adjustment adjustment, Christian. So uh, for me, it was uh, something as a child that I found to be rather interesting. So again, living here in Buffalo and Western New York. One of the things that we actually are fortunate to get, and it actually ties sort of back into the Olympics, is we will actually get Canadian channels, right? We'll get CBNO, we'll get CTV, right? They'll come through the regular cable or back in the 80s, as a child of the 80s, you could pick them up with a pair of analog bunny rabbit ears, right? Or weird thing. It came from the 80s podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Continue. Thanks, Christian. Um, so one of the things is, is that obviously I was a humongous Sesame Street fan growing up as a kid, right? So I watched both the U.S. version on PBS and then the Canadian version of Sesame Street as well um, on whatever channel it shows in, in Canada. I think the one out of Toronto, actually, the, the, the Toronto PBS version. So but in the Canadian version of Sesame Street, they teach the kids both English and French, right? Where in the States here, we only learn English, right, as the language, because why should everyone just speak English, right, in America, right? And uh, <laughs> um, so my initial my initial thought was, well, as a child, I watched the Canadian version of Sesame Street, and I also loved, like, Fred Penner's Place and Mr. Dress Up and whatever yeah. else I could find, Under the Umbrella Tree, whatever else could come across, right? But I assumed as a child when I would get up to Canada for the first time or Memories that I remember maybe going to like African Lion Safari or Toronto or somewhere, the Toronto Zoo as a child, that everybody would speak both English and French. Well, that's not necessarily the case. There's just a certain area of the country where they speak a lot of French and uh, the rest of them pretty much just speak English everywhere. So for me, it was uh, my, my interpretation that not everybody necessarily speaks two languages in Canada. Yeah, while there are two official languages, um, of course, so most things have both English and French inscribed everywhere. Yes, it is uh, um, a very uh, minute and uh, and remedial version of French that everyone is required to learn. Uh, but yeah, there's only really specific uh, sections of the country, as you mentioned, that hold uh, hold true to their francophone nature. Um, <laughs> and they are loud and proud about it. But anyway. All right, Christian, just like my like just like the fact that I have three children, I'm going to do things outside the norm for this podcast, which is I'm going to throw one final 
question for us here as part of rapid fire question okay. six. What is one place that, you know, we obviously realize that it's been tough on you and everything for the past 15 months, not being able to go back home, not being able to um, see your mom and dad and, and obviously bring your daughter to see them in person, but that border is going to open up soon. We're going to get back to normalcy. So same question I'm going to ask, you know, you, and then I'll answer it as well. Um, what is the one place that when that border does open back up, you want to go back first outside of seeing your parents and, and any friends? What Where do you want to go? Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind in this question. Again, outside of family and, you know, reconnecting and all that type of stuff. Um, and it's Tim Horton's field. And I want to go see my ta- Hamilton Tiger Cats play. Um, I have been a diehard Hamilton Tiger Cats fan uh, in the CFL for many years. I've had season's tickets. You mentioned your Bills season's tickets for decades. I've had uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats season's tickets. Um, and actually, the Grey Cup is going to be in Hamilton this year. Um, and uh, and I'm all set to go. And uh, now that's later in the in the year. But uh, yeah, I want to get uh, I want to get back home to, uh, to to my to my second home. I guess it's definitely my third home, um, which is uh, Tim Hortons Field or what was Iverwind Stadium um, to see my black and gold uh, Tiger Cats play Oski Wee Wee. So that's that's where I want to go. Um, uh, again, of course, parents daughter the whole bit of course but uh um, if christian's going somewhere else um it's tim horton's field um but uh, jay i know you've uh, traveled uh, a bunch of places in canada specifically with your family as well um what's one place in canada you're uh, you're really looking forward to getting back to yeah that's a great question christian um so as mentioned previously i have three little kids um and they my two oldest by our, our boys and uh, seven and five, and they really are starting to get into amusement parks, water slides, things like that. And we're fortunate, obviously, living so close to Niagara Falls, Canada, and the state side, that on the Canadian side, there's a Great Wolf Lodge, which is a fantastic place to take family and kids to, um, you know, an all-in-one center with bowling and arcade and, you know, pizza and uh, water slides and a wave pool and all these things. So we, um, we've been taking the last few years here, we've been taking our kids up to the Great Wolf Lodge, usually the Wednesday before American Thanksgiving. So for the, for our Canadian listeners, American Thanksgiving is the third Thursday of November. And obviously in Canada, it's not a holiday. So, um, having a place where you can go up and play weekend weekday prices versus for a Wednesday afternoon where we'll my wife and I will take a half a day up, go up to the water park for the full day. And then after we've water slide out and as much pizza as we can in Canadian beer, we will then travel across the border back to my in-laws house and eat a feast made by my in-laws and my mother-in-law and enjoy some American football on television. So I miss the fact that this past year we could not go to the Great Wolf Lodge because it's been a tradition that we've done, just like um, many people have traditions around Thanksgiving. American or Canadian. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, this year the border will be open, hopefully by November, if more people get vaccinated. Fingers so, crossed. And um, 
I'll be and, and just like you can go to the Grey Cup, I'll be able to take my kids to the Great Wolf Lodge. You know, it's funny. I I've actually never been to the Great Wolf Lodge, believe it or not. Um, so maybe one of these days, uh, we'll have to take a uh, um, uh, a poke uh, a poke McFarlane uh, uh, family trip up there one of these days because that would be that would be a bunch of fun. Absolutely, and you know the fact that you know both of our daughters are very close in age my daughter is almost one year one full calendar year older than yours they uh they've been starting to become uh little buddies which i think is going to be really great to see uh expand sort of how your friendship and my friendship has expanded here these past five years so obviously that's going to be really cool to watch as dads as well as uh you know friends for sure We'll see which one of them ends up uh, winning the most money off the other in uh, in friendly wagers, but uh, that'll be a few years from now, anyway. <laughs> that will for sure, sir. That will for sure. Jay, this has been a ton of fun, uh, man. I really appreciate you joining me here on the podcast. Uh, ton of fun to reminisce about uh, about uh, neighborhoods, uh, a past uh, stories I haven't thought about in in a long time. And, uh, and talking about just kind of, you know, being dad's next door, uh, and, uh, and neighbor versus neighbor, like I said, one without, uh, without a you and one with, so, um, yeah, that'll do it for the podcast this week. Um, and, uh, just a couple of thank yous before we get out of here, Ryan, producer Ryan, thank you so much as always, uh, for making us sound as good as we do. Um, Michael Spicer of music, uh, Vishal Murthy, um, and of course, uh, our wives and daughters and sons uh, for Jay, um, who really are the reason we do this and uh, frankly are the reason we are allowed to do this. Uh, Jay, one more time quickly before we get out of here. Why don't you pitch it came from the 80s for us? Thanks, Christian. Yeah. So as, as, as Christian's mentioned a couple times here on the podcast, uh, my best friend Tony and I started a podcast a few episodes ago called It Came From The 80s Podcast. It's about two Zennial best friends reminiscing about the greatest decade in their lives with a twist of perspective from our new, from our kids' perspective of would that idea still exist and be relevant in the 21st century despite coming out 40 years prior. So I hope you uh, like, subscribe, give it a listen. As Christian said, it's available on all major podcasting networks, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and you can also find us on social media at Came From The 80s both on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I look forward to seeing you down the road. And Christian, thanks so much for bringing me on this week. Um, and I hope to join you again in another Neighbor versus Neighbor. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, we'll have to have you back on for Neighbor versus Neighbor, and we'll see who won money from who or who owes golf to who. Uh, Jay, before I get you out of here, what do you call the action at the circus? Hmm. What do you call it, sir? Intense. <laughs> all righty man we got a tea time tomorrow morning so we got to get out of here i'll see you tomorrow and uh for the listeners out there we will see you next week again this has been the dad joke loading podcast take care thanks so much for listening we'll see you next week <laughs>